we find ourselves very rapidly in the wilderness. That's 75% where we're essentially just trying to keep our head above water and survive, right? So that's the wilderness. The next thing we want to do is start thinking about building a boutique team. Normally, this is a three to 12 person business. And there's two types of boutiques. There's a struggling boutique where you're just not making very much profit. You're limping from month to month. Every time payroll gets processed or every time the bills go out at the end of the month, you're sitting there going, oh dear, we are just scraped by again. And then there's the lifestyle boutique, which is a dynamic, amazing team of people. It's very profitable. Every month the bank account goes up. You've got a purpose beyond making money. You're having a good time. You've got fun, freedom and flexibility. And it's super, super exciting. Now, this is a profitable business that's using media and technology um, and data, uh, and it's keeping its team between three to 12 people. So let's talk about why three to 12 people tends to be the sweet spot for entrepreneurship, uh, lifestyle entrepreneurship. So when you've got three people, you've got three lines of communication. If you expand your team to five people, you've got 10 lines of communication. You can see that when you hit eight people, you've got 28 lines of communication. Now, the human brain is very good at dealing with 28 lines of communication because essentially that's like a family group, right? So that's not too much different to a family. You can manage family dynamics uh, um, naturally. Once you go up to 12 people, you're at 66 lines of communication. 14 people, you're at 91 potential lines of communication. And you can see what's happening here. It's getting more exponentially complex to deal with extra people. Uh, if you put together a team of 50 people, you've got 1,225 lines of communication. So there's all sorts of ways you could communicate. By the way, that assumes you've only got one method of communication. So if you're talking to people on the phone, you've got 1,225. But if you add in Slack and email and WhatsApp uh, and you know all the other ways to communicate with your team, now you've got a lot of confusion that's going on. So here's what tends to happen. When you hire the 13th person, you enter what we call the desert. And the desert is where you're too big to be small and too small to be big, right? So you're somewhere in the middle here of 13 to 50 people, and the business just doesn't feel like it's a big business that's sorted all of its problems out. It also doesn't feel like a small dynamic business anymore. It feels like this kind of weird in-between business. Now, if you can get to 50 people, then you sort all your you sort everything out. You've got an org chart, and everyone knows who they report to. You've got teams of teams. Uh, you've got everything really kind of organised, and uh, you've got technology supporting you. You've probably got debt, or you've got investors. You've got regular meetings. Um, you've got a board of advisors and a board of directors. You've probably got HR supplier or a HR person on your team. So all of these things start to sort themselves out once you hit. Uh, around that 40 or 50 people mark. So you've got to kind of figure out, do you want to be up here as a performance business with 50 people, or do you want to stay as a lifestyle boutique with 12 people, uh, preferably around eight, but call it uh, upper 12, because that desert is in the middle, right? So that desert is too big to be small, too small to be big, which is one of the main reasons I really encourage people to pick a side, right? Pick the side lifestyle or performance. And obviously you're here on this workshop, so you're interested in this lifestyle business here. Um, now I'm not saying you can't have a lifestyle business up here at performance, but I am saying that you're gonna have to go through a very difficult time getting yourself there. Um, and you, it's probably gonna take you know a few years 
of struggle to get yourself up to that uh, that lifestyle with a much bigger team. So let's talk about the most common examples of lifestyle businesses I see, which is the three to 12 person boutique. And these three to 12 people, they've got a couple of things in common. They've got creative freedom. So they enjoy the work that they do and they pick and choose the type of work that they do. So if they love running marathons, they've built a business about running marathons. Um, if they love working with um, a type of client, they pick that type of client and they stick to that type of client. They've also location freedom. They're not pinned down to any particular place. Um, they could work from anywhere. They may choose to just stay in one place, but they could work for um, uh, from anywhere. Um, there's this new thing called slowmads. Slowmads are people who slowly move around the world. They stay in one place for maybe six to 12 months and then they move, right? So that they can, their business works no matter where they are and they can slowmad their way around the world. Um, and then there's time freedom, which means that you're not actually selling your time. You may use your time effectively, but you're not directly selling your time the same way a self-employed person would. So you normally mean that you've got products and services as well. So how do we get creative freedom, location freedom, and time freedom? How do we get those three things to intersect? And that's what I'm going to take you through today. And we are going fast because we're basically doing the highlights from a, uh, from a six hour workshop here. Okay, so how do we do it? So to get our creative freedom, we need to become a key person of influence because a key person of influence is the type of person who attracts a type of opportunity based upon the niche and based upon the way that they describe themselves, right? So they are attracting the right sort of opportunity. In order to get our, um, uh, the other types of freedom, we're gonna have a product ecosystem, which means that we don't have to be selling our time. And we're gonna have a core team who are remote, which means that um, we have support, right? So we have the benefit of um, uh, what, what they called in the industrial age, division of labor. So what they found in the industrial age is that by getting people to focus on particular roles, and work together as a team, there was a huge productivity gain. And there's a huge productivity loss when you're trying to do everything yourself. So if you're trying to be the salesperson and the delivery person and the finance person and the HR person and the IT person, you're not going to be good at anything. So we need you to become a key person of influence with a product ecosystem and a core team. Those are the three main ingredients that you're going to need in order to have a lifestyle business. Let me know in the chat, are you following me so far? Does that make sense? Are we, are we sounding sensible? Um, how, how are we going so far? Let me have a quick look. Uh, okay, we are, yep, we're, we're crystal clear. Love it. Okay, so let's break it down. Let's start with core team. So core team is, um, is, uh, is our first thing I want to talk about. So, I want you to imagine that three years from now, we bump into each other somewhere lovely like this place here, and I bump into you and you say, Daniel, life is so good. I've really, really got uh, my lifestyle business together. I live and work from anywhere. I'm having a great time. One of the things that you're going to tell me is that you've got an amazing team, right? You're going to definitely say that. Now, here's the thing. You might sit there and go, oh, I don't want to employ people. I don't want to have employees and all that sort of stuff. Park that preconception. I want you to park that off to the side. The truth is, <laughs> the 
truth is that I'm not, I don't really care if these people are employees. I care if they're part of a team. I've seen businesses where the employees don't feel like they're part of a team and they don't behave like they're part of a team, even though they've got an employment contract. And I've seen people who've got contractors who behave like they're part of a team and they act like they're part of a team and they love working together as a team and they've been working together for years as a team, right? What I'm looking for is a team dynamic. The other thing too, is that many of you who've got hangups about employees, you've, you've basically had a bad experience where employees bit you in the, in the leg and you're using that as baggage to prevent yourself from having an amazing dynamic team and learning from the experience. Now, there's a number of reasons why employees may have beat you in the, in the leg in the past. It could have been because um, you had too many of them, right? If you had 15, 16, 17 people on a team, it's very hard to manage. That's the desert. Maybe you took your business up to 17, 18 people and two of them started dating and it became weird. And then you had someone who was a bad hire. Maybe you had someone who was there at the beginning and they got their nose out of joint because they were less important once you hit 20 people. Right? So all of those things could have happened in the past. I'm telling you that three to 12 people tends to self-organize pretty well. And I'm also telling you whatever bad experiences you've had, you've learned from those experiences and there's best practices about how to onboard people. There's best practices as to how to run great team meetings and to align your team. There's best practices how to uh, manage performance and have dashboards and have people become self-motivated. So you can get better at this sort of stuff. I'm sure you've had bad technology experiences as well, but it doesn't mean that you're not going to have technology ever again in your business. I'm sure you had a bad experience once on social media. It doesn't mean that you're not going to use social media for your business ever again. Um, I'm sure you've read a bad book. Uh, it doesn't mean that you're going to never read a book again, right? So let's make sure that we keep it in perspective. Whatever baggage and hang-ups you've got about employees or team members, I want you to park that because um, really... If I bump into you and you've got a lifestyle business, I guarantee you, you've got an amazing team around you, right? Three to 12 people, four teams, I guarantee you that's part of the ingredient for you having this lifestyle business. So let's have a look at um, team dynamics. One of the things that I love to look at with team dynamics is the um, British military. Uh, so I was in the Army Museum in London and I saw this poster hanging up on the wall. And I really studied it and I really loved it because the army, the British army, has been going for 400 years. They've had 400 years of, um, uh, of HR experiments. And the British army is also the blueprint that has been ruled out from most armies around the world. So the US army and the Australian and you know those kind of armies are all based upon a similar set of ideas. So the British army figured out a lot of things um, along the way and they figured out how to uh, how many people belong on a team and how to structure those teams. So you imagine that they've had 400 years of HR experiments and there's something to learn from the British Army. So here's, what, here's the things that you should know about how they structure their teams. So for the first thing you should know is that they never send people out alone, right? There's never a situation where one person works by themselves. They, the smallest team is called a scout team. A scout team is two people whose job is to go out and scout an opportunity. So whenever I've started businesses, and I've always I've actually started seven businesses that have gone zero to a million in the first 12 months, um, we always start with two people, right? So a scout team should be someone who's focused on will this sell, which is sales, 
and someone who's focused on can we deliver a good experience to customers, which is operations. And essentially, the scout team is there to test a minimum viable product to make some first sales and to see if they can generate between 1,000 and 100,000 worth of pre-orders or pre-sales and just test the marketplace. So this is a two-person scout. And that first opportunity is really just validating the market uh, from a sales and delivery perspective. So the first part is scout team. Once we have developed our scout team and we've got an opportunity that we think will scale, the next size team is called a campaign team, right? Or in the military, it's called a fire team. So a fire team is a short-term team that are working together under an enormous amount of pressure to get something done that's urgent. So it's got a real urgency to it and it's a four-person team. Now in entrepreneurship, I call this a campaign team and your job is to run a launch campaign. So you're launching a proof of concept and you're going to establish a little bit of sales rhythm and you're going to get over a hundred grand worth of revenue. So this is about getting into the six figures of revenue and there's four roles on the team. You've got a key person of influence who represents the team publicly and who's out there uh, as the main face of the business. You've got someone who's focused on making sales and making sure sales complete. You've got someone who's focused on admin or finance, maybe a financial controller, maybe an executive assistant, um, someone who can enter receipts into a database, someone who can do data entry, all those kind of things. And you've got someone who's in charge of making sure customers are happy with that ops, right, operation. And really it just means happy customers. Um, so these are the four roles that you're going to have. And the goal of this little four-person team is to run some really great campaigns, right? So you're going to get out there and campaign and do some launches and get people excited. Uh, maybe you're going to speak at and get a podcast. Uh, maybe you're going to do a um, special offer or a campaign launch uh, in order to get up and run it. Once you've established your four-person team and it's working and you're six figures of revenue, your next uh, um, team size is eight people, and this is in the military called a section. Um, let me know in the chat, has anyone been in the military before? Have you been part of a section? And uh, a section is eight people. There's a corporal and a lance corporal, and then there's six what they call grunts or, or soldiers, um, and essentially it's an eight-person team. So this is a core team. If you're an entrepreneur, this is a core team. Now, what does a core team look like? This is where you get to have lots of fun, freedom, and flexibility. Your job is to stay oversubscribed, and your job is to get to six-figure profit. After everyone's salary is paid, after everyone's income is paid, after everyone is earning their day rate or their hourly rate that they're happy with, we want six-figure profit on top of that. So the business makes income on top of the individuals making income. So this is one of the key components of a uh, business that is taking off. A self-employed uh, business or a struggling boutique, the individuals can make income, but the business doesn't make any income. And when a business makes income, we call that profit. So what we want here is that the individuals make income, and also, on top of you and your team making income, the business makes six figures of profit as well. Right? So that's going to mean that you're going to develop some great products. So you're going to have fun, freedom, flexibility, you're going to get oversubscribed, you're going to have six-figure profit. And here's the roles that you're going to see on this team. Key person of influence, the face of the business, on podcasts, on TV, on the stage, writing a book, authoring some articles, posting on social media. 
the general manager is running the business. They're actually running, like doing all the things that run the business week to week. They run the team meetings. Um, they plan and do the financial planning and the financial forecasting and they uh, set up the dashboards and uh, they translate all the big ideas into actionable steps. You've got sales and marketing. Marketing is generating leads. Sales is making sure those leads convert into sales. Finance and admin, financial control and looking after the running of the business. Um, operations, making sure customers are happy and IT is normally automation landing pages, graphic design, managing um, those technical suppliers, all of those sorts of things. So this is a typical lifestyle theme here. KPI, general manager, sales, marketing, finance, admin, operations, IT. So, um, so there we go. So first thing I want to just stop and pause for, what questions do you have? What do you need to know so that you can do this? Let's take three or four questions. Put your digital hand up if you've got a question. Uh, you can use the reactions button there. Um, and you'll be able to put your hand up, right? So if you use the reactions button, um, uh, you go, Stuart, let's hear from you. Hi, Daniel. Uh, who would you employ first after you've got your KPI and your GM? Oh, so remember that we assume that you've already got four people at this point. What if you right? haven't? <laughs> Sorry. If you haven't, you start with two people. So you've got sales and you've got operations, right? That's your scout team. Um, and you're as the, you as the entrepreneur are one of those people. So you're going to be the sales. I, most entrepreneurs either lean towards being sales orientated or they lean towards being product development orientated, right? Now, obviously, they work together as a team. Um, so if you take Stephen, Oddie, and I, we started Score App together. Stephen is very technical. He's really, really good at building technology. I'm more sales orientated. I'm out there beating the drum and talking about what we're doing. So the two of us work together. I'm out there talking to the marketplace. He's building the product. So that's the first step, right, where we're, we're working together. The next step up is the, is the campaign team where we bring on board a salesperson. We bring on board someone else in operations, right? We might bring on board an assistant, an executive assistant to help, help us operate. So we're making our team uh, a little bit bigger by bringing on two extra people. Um, and then we're bringing on another four people once we've already got that stability. We might bring in someone who's a marketing and lead generation specialist or a performance marketer. We might bring on someone who's really, really good at organizing um, our suppliers. Uh, we might bring on an IT person, right? So we're bringing on those extra roles into the team. Uh, so we're going from two to four to eight um, as, our, um, as our thing. Now, if you're sitting there going, hey, wait a second, I'm one, your job is to be two, right? Um, and if you're two, your job is to get four. Um, so two people validate the business, four people run a launch campaign, eight people establish a great sales rhythm and do fine freedom, flexibility and profit. Um, does that help, Stuart? Definitely, thank you. Nice one. Okay, and um, I'm not sure, is it Joa? Uh, hello. hello. Hello, good morning, Daniel. Uh, thank you for organizing this. Uh, I have a question around KPIs. So, for example, let's uh, let's assume that we can get a business up to that core team where we have uh, eight uh, people working uh, for the for the goal. Um, uh, what kind of numbers would you
something to look healthy, or this is a business that probably is drifting, drifting towards the danger zone. Thank you. Yeah, so the what we're looking for is with eight people, we're looking for about a hundred thousand of profit after everyone gets paid. Um, so if we think about profit per person of about fifteen thousand, um, we're into the uh, lifestyle zone there. So if we think about um, now, some of your team, you might have someone on the team who gets sixty grand a year. You might have someone on the team who gets thirty grand a year. Um, so your revenue is going to be dependent upon whether you need expense people. Uh, or not. If you're running a, uh, a dental clinic, you probably need some expensive people. Um, if you're running a dog walking business, right, <laughs> less expensive people, they're extreme examples. But, um, but essentially what we're looking for is that we can generate a six figure profit on top of um, everyone getting paid. Thank you. Um, someone said there is uh, eight people full time. Uh, it may or may not be full time as you're building up to it. I have nothing wrong with someone. Let's say you bring on an IT person and that IT person does three days a week. Totally fine. If you bring on a finance person and they only need to be there one or two days a week, that's fine um, while, you, while you're getting going. Um, also, it's not like set in stone. This is conceptual. It's philosophical more so than, um, more so than uh, set in stone. So, for example, you might discover that you need two full-time salespeople um, and you need a part-time marketing person. You might discover that you need three ops people and you only need a part-time IT person. That's fine. I'm looking for, conceptually, they're looking at about three to eight, uh, three to 12 people is normally where we tend to, um, normally where we tend to be conceptually. Uh, now, as I say, it could be 12 in terms of you've got a few extra salespeople, you've got a few extra ops people. That's fine. It's going to still be self-managing. It's going to be easy to organize, easy to manage when you have team meetings. Um, here's what I also mean by a team member. A team member really cares about business success. They really, really want that business to succeed. Um, when someone says, what do you do? One of the first things they talk about is the work that they're doing with you. Um, when you have a team meeting every 90 days and the whole team comes together, the team who turn up for that team meeting, that's your core team. Um, so if you've got a graphic designer who works with 100 different companies uh, that doesn't turn up to your team meeting, and if you ask them, what do you do? They just say, I'm a graphic designer, I've got 100 clients. Uh, that is not someone on your team, right? That person isn't waking up in the morning and saying, gee, I hope this business does well uh, in order for it to succeed. Um, okay. Very good, good questions. Okay, let, uh, let me know, are we ready to proceed? Are we ready to, to, to get going? Give me a thumbs up. Nice. Um, So let's jump in and go to our next piece that we need to go to, which is this role here, the key person of influence, very important role. This is super, super, super important. If you want a lifestyle business, you have to be the key person of influence, right? You don't get to have a key person of influence. You don't get to have a lifestyle business if you don't have the key person of influence role uh, really working. Every single time I see a lifestyle business, the person who's running the business plays this role really, really, really well. You already know these people, by the way. You already follow them in your industry. You already read their books. 
uh, you already uh, follow them on social media, right? So these are the people who are doing this really, really well, and I guarantee you, every single person you love following has got a great little team behind them, and they're doing a great job of being that key person of influence. Okay, so we are going to zoom in on this idea called key person of influence, because that is what matters. So first thing I want you to know is that the human brain doesn't really care at all about your business brand, right? So your business brand is not interesting to humans. Humans are interested in other humans. So have a look at Richard Branson. He's got 12.5 million people who follow him, but Virgin, which is a cool brand, and everyone like has heard of Virgin, and everyone likes Virgin. He's been talking about Virgin nonstop for 50 years. It only has a few hundred thousand people who follow it. Uh, Jessica Alba, 19 million followers, and she's really pushed this on this company, and it's got to a million followers. Uh, Tim Cook is over 14 million now, which is double Apple. Uh, Tim Cook only really gets out there and talks a couple of times a year, but Apple is the most powerful brand in the world, and Tim Cook, the CEO, has twice as many followers as Apple. Um, one football player has more followers than all other football clubs combined. So people love people a lot more than they love business brands. Now, if you think about it, if you're not going to have a business that's more popular than a football club. You're not going to have a business that's more popular than Virgin. right? So you've got to figure out, okay, do I want to have an easy life or a hard life? If you want an easy life, you need to become one of the go-to people in your industry. You've got to become a key person of influence in your field. How are you going to do that? You're going to focus on the five P's in the book, teach, publish, product, profile, partnership. So keep in mind this, key people of influence share opinions and they pitch their ideas, right? So they share their opinions and they pitch their ideas. Pitching is just getting groups of people aligned to new ideas and actions, right? So I want you to think about pitching is when you're addressing a group, right? And there's some form of leverage. And But for the purposes of being a key person of influence, I know there are other examples, but for the purposes of being a key person of influence, it's your ability to talk to groups of people at a time and to get a group aligned to a new idea where people get excited about your idea and they experience that as a group. Now, a group could be a podcast, it could be a video on YouTube, it could be an event that you're speaking at. Um, it's the ability to, for you to get that message across to a group of people. Um, so, I'm curious, what idea do you want people to align to? In the chat, let me know what ideas or what actions would you like more people to get aligned to? Let me know in the chat. Patrick says, pick up litter, interesting business. Um, obviously, I want this to relate to your business. Sim uh, simplicity beats complexity, using interactive video for communications. That's obviously going to be a, uh, a business. Um, you're never too old to learn something new, right? Um, you can be happier at work. I'm sure there's a business, big business behind that. Uh, your leaders need training. Um, Alright, so you're going to have a set of ideas, these are great ideas, you're going to have a set of ideas that you want people to get aligned to, right, lovely to see. So it's going to be your job to get out there and make people get aligned to those ideas, um, and, uh, and that's part of your job as a key person of influence. So the first part is this pitching part. The second part is about publishing those ideas into digital assets. 
the key people of influence, they don't just talk about it, they make sure that these assets are digital and those assets can be found online wherever you want to find them. So if you have a key person of influence, you're going to see that key person of influence on YouTube, you're going to see them on social media accounts, you're going to listen to their podcasts on Spotify, right? So you're going to be publishing, publishing, publishing as a key person of influence. Every time you create a digital asset, that digital asset has the power to go out all over the world, talk to people any time of day or night, and it's going to last for years at a time. There's going to be assets you this year that people are going to still be consuming five years from now. Publishing is simply putting your ideas and opinions into a scalable digital asset and making it easily available in the open marketplace. That's all we're talking about, getting your ideas into the market in a digital asset format. The good news is, is the human brain does not know that it's digital. So when you experience a video, it's like you're getting to know that person. When you're listening to a podcast, it's like you're getting to know the person who's speaking on the podcast. The human brain hasn't caught up with the idea that some things are digital and some things aren't, which means that if you've got thousands of people watching your videos, those thousands of people are getting to know you. And this is a really important step, and this is why we publish. So there's something called Dunbar's Numbers by Professor Robin Dunbar, and this basically says that in order for someone to buy from you, they have to become at least an acquaintance. They have to feel acquainted with you. And if they feel acquainted with you, then they'll come back and buy from you. In order for them to feel acquainted, they need to clock up seven hours with you, right? So there's the seven hour rule. Google put it a different way. They said that you need to clock up 11 interactions with people. So you could call this the seven hours or 11 interactions rule. There was another study that said four locations. So a location could be video, Instagram, LinkedIn, podcast, uh, right? So those could be locations. So essentially, if you want to have a big business, you need lots and lots of people to have spent seven hours with your digital content or had 11 interactions with your digital content. Right? So you've got to really ramp that up a little bit because the way people buy in 2023 and beyond is they consume digital assets, then they want to talk to your business and buy something. But they're not going to talk to your business and buy something if they haven't consumed those digital assets first. So this matters more if you're going to scale. You're going to see lots of people with YouTube channels with very scalable businesses. You're going to see lots of people with books and podcasts with very scalable businesses. So think about the market for what you do. Let's say you offer leadership training. There's a market of people who have a leadership team. But forget about the market and think about building your tribe. Your tribe are the people who have experienced seven hours, 11 interactions or four locations. And those people are the ones who have been 7-Eleven Ford and they're part of the tribe who know you really, really well. Um, so question I've got for you, if I wanted to do a deep dive into you and your ideas, how much time could I easily spend if I just did a quick Google search? Like if I just went to the first page of Google, let's say I type your name into Google and I see the first page there and I start clicking on the links, how, easy, how much time do you think I can easily spend with your business? Um, would it be an hour? Would it be 10 hours? Would I discover a treasure trove of podcasts? Would I discover a treasure trove of videos that are really relevant that cover off all your best ideas? What would I discover? Let me know in the chat. How much time do you think I can spend with you? 
So several hours of YouTube, one hour, right? So one hour means 60 out, 60, six hours short, 10 minutes. So we're seven hours short, 35 hours. I bet um, Charlene has got a scalable business there. Five minutes, we're seven hours short. Four hours, we're three hours short. Um, 10 minutes, we are seven hours short. 30 hours, we've got a scalable business for Sarah. Uh, 13 days of podcasts available, right? So Cedric has got some scalability there. He's got the ability to get people um, to get to know, like, and trust. Uh, four days, Toby's going to have a scalable business there. Um, a few dodgy photos. This is not going to be a scalable business at this point. <laughs> uh, five hours. Ben has almost gotten to the seven-hour rule. So the key thing here is that we need to be able to confidently say, seven hours, 11 interactions, four locations, we, we've got all of that ticked in order to be publishing enough content. And mind you, we can't just have any old content, it has to be a deep dive into your ideas, right? So it's got to be quality content that unpacks the ideas that are important. Okay, our next thing that people of influence do is they attract money into their business, right? So they're able to attract products and services now, here's a key thing that key people of influence do. They don't sell themselves. They sell their products and services around them. So think about the Eiffel Tower. The Eiffel Tower, if you want, you can spend 10 euros to go up the Eiffel Tower and down the Eiffel Tower, and that's 10 euros. But if you want to stay at the hotel nearby, that's hundreds of euros. If you want to go to the cafe or the restaurant, that's hundreds of euros or tens of euros, right? So the Parisian landscape around the Eiffel Tower is what makes the money. The Eiffel Tower doesn't make very much money by comparison. It's the landscape. So think about you as the Eiffel Tower, as the key person of influence. We don't sell your time. You're not going to be the thing that people are buying. They're going to be buying the things that are around you. And they're going to buy some of what your business does, but they'll also buy some of what you can bring to the table. So your business might make pizza, but it might also sell wine that you've selected to go with the pizza. So you might have an IT business that does websites. You might also partner with a company that can do the Facebook ads, or you might partner with a company that can do the video production. Right? So there's what you do and there's what you bring to the table, and that becomes your ecosystem, your product ecosystem around you. Um, here's a question. What do you think, what do you do, and what do you think your customers wish that you brought to the table for them? So I want you to just have a quick think about that. What do you do and what do you think your customers wish you brought to the table? So you might say, I'm a coach and my customers wish that I brought a reading library of books to them. Um, you might say, I am a leadership development trainer. My, I bet my customers wish that they could get software, good quality software brought to the table. So what do you do and what do you think they want to bring to the table additionally to what you do? Right. So you might have SaaS and they might want you to bring to the table training. You might have, um, uh, I help manufacturers get in front of clinicians and customers want uh, appointments with clinicians. That's, that might be what you do, but they might also say we want support with other things that are similar to that. Right. So we want to actually have a look. Do you know, it's funny, a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with this question. Right, because we think about ourselves as component labor, and rather than thinking about ourselves as solving the customer's problem, we think about what it is that we do. I want you to think more about what does the customer wish that you could bring them, 
that is not something that you actually do? What do they wish you could bring to the table that you could, uh, you know, like for example, a fitness trainer can do all the fitness stuff, but they could also bring to the table a nutritionist. They could also bring to the table a photo shoot with a photographer. They could also bring to the table um, a, a reading library of great books about health and fitness. They could also bring to the table a boxing coach, or they could bring to the table a ticket to do Tough Mudder or something like that. So it could all be packaged in. Um, fantastic. Okay, we've got some good ideas starting to come in uh, there. Um, anyone struggling with this? Anyone want to ask a question on this one? Yeah, Dimitri. Oh, you just just thought you'd unmute at the exact moment that I said, does anyone have a question? Fair enough. Uh, Ernesto. Hi, Daniel. Thank you for having this. Yes, I did. The first, I was kind of holding back. The first I see there's a lot of solopreneurs in in uh, in the call. And I think the, the journey is kind of hard. You know, we need to go to the key personal influence all, all the way to there. So my challenge, I'll tell you what happened, is I, I had, a, I would say, a profitable business north of 350 i was doing running that through contractors okay i'm in the process of writing the book but after the pandemic it went down and the, the world i would say my the business model changed and as i think you really make me think about what else can i bring to the table i help companies accelerate the pace of innovation i mean fortunately enough to have four to five hundred companies the bulk of my clients are probably small and medium-sized enterprises and once i'm in if they ask you, okay, Ernesto, you help with innovation. Do you know somebody in HR? Do you know somebody? Yes. So you could bring a great HR team. You could bring a HR team. Now, the key thing here is you don't have to start that business. You just need to partner with someone who already does that and bring them to the table. Um, I know key people of influence who don't actually do much. They just bring other businesses to the table. Um, they do a few things themselves, but they have a, a series of partnerships that they can bring to the table. Fantastic example. Len, let's hear from you. Uh, thanks, Daniel. Um, picking up at Nessa's point, asking your customers what else they want is obviously the first source for that. But I've recently been given another tip, which is find out what people are Googling when they're looking for your product. Look at the keywords they're looking for, look at the questions they're looking for, um, and address those. If you've got something that hits what everybody's asking, then they're going to find you at the top of their Google search. Right. Um, the other thing too is what do people want after you're finished? So um, let's say when someone has finished working with you, what do they want next is a great question to be thinking about as well. Uh, um, so is there a logical next step that comes after what you do? Uh, Giuseppe. Hi, Daniel. I'm at the stage where I'm looking actively for partners for my business. I, I help uh, startup companies pitch their technology in the biotech sector. And I was wondering, do you have a, 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 do you have a, a, a tested way of, of identifying uh, partners and approaching partners that are a good fit and they would like to work with you? Because I'm, I'm saying that because I have a couple of experiences that didn't work. Okay, for, for starters, it's business. You're all going to have experiences that don't work. Please, please, please. Uh, if you want a smooth road, you're going to feel every single bump. If you expect that roads are bumpy, you're going to enjoy the adventure. 
One of the biggest things I've noticed about entrepreneurs who struggle is they expect a smooth road. And one of the biggest things I've noticed about entrepreneurs who scale is they expect a bumpy road. So the fact that you have a bad experience, welcome to the real world of business, right? That's just going to be, that's just, like, you can get punched in the face, you're going to get a broken nose, right? You don't go and learn boxing if you don't expect to get punched a few times. Unfortunately, entrepreneurship is a little bit like that. So the first thing I would say is expect a bumpy road and you'll feel a smooth road. Expect a smooth road, you'll feel a bumpy road. So how, how is my proven way of getting great uh, partners and suppliers? I ask my customers, have you found any great partners or suppliers that you're working with alongside us or before us, during you work with us or after us? Um, I'm looking for good partners who I can bring to my other customers. Um, do you know anyone who's been, have you got any standout partners that, or suppliers that you've been working with? Um, I'd love to uh, have a look and have a chat with them. You find a, an appropriate time to ask your existing customers. How did I find Rethink Press? Our customers told us about Rethink Press. How did I find uh, Jammy? Our customers told us about Jammy. Right? So these are all examples where we just simply listen to our customers uh, who were raving fans of certain suppliers. And we, once we say, oh, everyone seems to be a raving fan of that company, okay, how do we partner with them? How do we work with them um, more closely? Great, great example. And I didn't mean to pick on you, Giuseppe, with your comment about I've had bad experiences. I just wanted to make the point for everyone that uh, expect a smooth road, get a bumpy road, expect a bumpy road, get an adventure um, is, uh, is a good rule there. It's the most tweetable tweet that we've had so far on this call. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's jump into our next piece, and then we're going to have a break soon. Our next piece is key people of influence become known, liked, and trusted. So we get our profile up there. Um, what does it say about you? What does Google say about you? If I Google you, what does Google say about you? How do we do this? Make sure that we get social media accounts, right? If we Google you, your social media accounts come up. Some of you have got terrible social media accounts. Some of you have forgotten that people are judgmental as anything, right? People are so judgmental. When they see a photo that doesn't look professional, they assume your whole business isn't professional. If they see a single tweet where you're complaining about a chicken sandwich on British Airways being a little bit too soggy, they just assume you're a whinging, complaining, annoying person who complains about everything. Right? Uh, when they see that you've got some old content that doesn't relate to your existing business, they assume that your whole business is outdated. So you've got to keep your social media uh, accounts nice and clean because customers are just looking for a chink in the armor. They want to see, is this a professional, up-to-date social media account? They're going to have a, you might not want them to look at your Facebook, they're going to look at your Facebook. You might not want them to look at your Instagram because it's personal. They're going to look at your Instagram. If they can find it, they're going to look at it. Um, same as your employees. They're going to look at all your stuff, right? Your employees are going to look at your Facebook account to see what you're really like. So you better make sure that you're, you know, on form, on point across all of your social media platforms if you want to be a key person of influence because people are just looking at that stuff all the time. The next thing is awards, right? People, in order to increase your profile, I encourage you to apply for some good quality awards. One of the best ones that I think everyone should get in the UK is called Investors in People. If you've got a team 
doesn't matter if it's a three or a four person team, go through the framework of investors in people. Go and have a look at some of the uh, available awards that uh, industry awards. Read the book Win by Donna O'Toole um, and you will discover that going through the process of winning awards, it's a really great process of consolidating your mountain of value. Some of you have done amazing projects. I bet you Giuseppe, for example, because I know him for, for years, I bet he's done incredible projects with his customers and you could enter for awards and then it's very easy to talk about what you've done with those customers. I bet you you've moved on from stuff that you did a year ago or two years ago. You could capture this case study and enter that case study as an award uh, this year. And I encourage you to do that. Um, it really does make a difference. Some of you say, oh, awards are a bit silly and there are fake awards and there are awards that don't matter. Of course that's true, right? It's like saying there are blogs that don't matter and there are podcasts that don't matter, but there are podcasts that really matter and there are uh, blogs that really matter. Um, and that there are these, these things can make a huge difference if they're well selected. Um, the next one is live events. I want you to run more live events. I want you to speak at live events. I want you to host live events. I want you to be a panelist at live events. Um, all of those sorts of uh, key things as well. And then the final one is to have third party or, um, or traditional media where you're on somebody else's podcast, where you're on somebody else's YouTube channel um, as, uh, as well. Um, uh, yeah, Len has said some awards, they try and charge you to be part of the award and you're essentially buying one. I'm not talking about those awards, right? I'm talking about the good quality awards. Um, read the book, Win. So that you can make sure that you are well up to date with uh, how to handle awards. Uh, okay, our next one is the key idea is we're building a profile, not because we're chasing the spotlight, but because we want to become a spotlight. We don't want to be in the spotlight, we want to become the spotlight. Now what do I mean by that? When someone is chasing the spotlight, they're saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. When someone is becoming a spotlight, they're saying, look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this. They're actually saying, check this thing out. Um, and that's the difference. We're not saying, look at me. We're saying, look at that. Look at this trend. Look at this category. Look at this transformation. Look at this positive news story. Look at this disaster that was averted. Look at this uh, turnaround that happened. We're not saying, look at me. We're saying, look at this. When we go on social media, we're not saying, check me out, I'm awesome, we're saying, have a look at this uh, amazing thing that's happening. Right? So we're, we're becoming a spotlight, we're not trying to be in the spotlight. Okay, the final thing I want to mention about being a key person of influence is that key people of influence partner up. They're really good at partnerships. So key idea, someone woke up this morning with the resources that you want and you should partner with them. So someone's already got money, contacts, fame, know-how, time, credibility and you can just go and do a partner with them. If we think about Nike, Nike does not try and build a brand. They go and find people who are already elite athletes with a brand and they partner with them. Nike doesn't try and create products. They find people who make products really well and they go and partner with them. Nike doesn't try and sell products. They find people who are good at distributing products and they partner with them. Right? So they put together a lot of partnerships. Uh, Nespresso reinvented itself by getting George Clooney to be the face by getting Magimix to build the product and getting Selfridges to be a distribution point, right? So they reinvented themselves with partnerships. 
the key with all partnerships is knowing how to structure them and put them together, right? So key people of influence get very, very good at putting together things like heads of terms and agreements and um, joint venture agreements and joint venture partnerships um, and alliances. I'm going to mention this as well. One of the things that I see key people of influence doing a lot is forming a squadron. And a squadron is where you find complementary key people of influence, get yourselves into a WhatsApp group, and then you work together to boost each other's brand. So let's say you put together a 12-person little squadron in WhatsApp group, and every time Rosie posts on LinkedIn, I go and comment and like it. And every time I post on LinkedIn, Rosie comments and likes on it because we share the links in our little squadron group. Um, every time I'm a speaker, my squadron will go and say, Daniel's speaking at this event, check it out. Every time someone else is a speaker, I will say, go check out this event where my, my friend here is speaking. So um, one thing you will notice, maybe you fo uh, follow some people like Brendan Brashad, Marie Forleo, um, uh, Jay Shetty, uh, uh, Alex Hamozzi. If you follow those people, one thing you may not realize is that they're all part of the same squadron, right? So there's a group of people who have built each other's brands with each other, and that's how they've all got a million followers plus. They're all just focused in the US on having this little squadron of people who amplify each other all the time. They interview each other on podcasts, they uh, feature each other on their social media uh, as well. So please do think about that as a partnership strategy uh, on top. Uh, okay, so those are the five Ps, publish product profile partnership, um, and this is what your job is to be as the key person of influence in your uh, program. One of the key things that we have to do is move you from being functional to being vital. So functionality versus vitality. The key person of influence role is a vitality role, not a functionality role. What do I mean by that? So functionality means the ability to perform a task reliably, right? So this is performing a task reliably. That's what functionality means. Vitality is the irreplaceable life force. So life force or irreplaceability is what vitality means. So if you think about vitality being a vital organ is an irreplaceable organ, you have to have one, and a vital organ gives you life, right? It's a life force. Um, if something gives you vitality, it gives you life force. If something is vital, it's, it's essential. So what we're trying to do is move you into the irreplaceable life force of your business where you breathe life into the business by telling stories, by connecting the dots, by having a vision, by having a purpose, um, by having a mission, by having uh, both having an interesting origin story and being willing to tell your origin story. These are all the things that are vitality things. Sometimes people say to me, how do you find the time to do these five Ps? Well, the reason I can find the time to do these five Ps is I don't do anything functional. You ask anyone on my teams, I've got eight companies that I'm running at the moment, I don't do anything functional. There's no functional things that are on, in my diary. I'm just talking and telling stories and writing books and sharing uh, origin story and sharing vision. Uh, all I do is the five Ps, pitch, publish, product, profile, partnership. If I'm not doing those five things, I've got, sorry, if there's anything else that needs doing, I'm bringing someone into the team to do it. Right? So I'm making sure that the team knows how to get all those other, uh, all those other things. Okay. So here's the next step. I would like to know if you are ready to have a conversation about you becoming a key person of influence. 
So we run the Key Personal Influence Accelerator. It's a 12-month program. Every two weeks, we do a two-and-a-half-hour session with you. Um, we put you into a, a cohort of other people who are going through the same experience. We hold you accountable. We break it into step-by-step-by-step-by-step. By step by step by step. Um, and what I would like to know is if you're interested in being a Key Personal Influence, the next step is that we would love to have a conversation with you about your personal brand and your strategy. We want to know a bit about your origin story, your mission, and your vision. And if you'd like to have a one-on-one -on -one with the team, put the word uh, yes into the chat and my team will send you a link and we can have a conversation with you about supporting you to become that key person of influence. So if you're sitting there saying, I totally need to be this key person of influence, I want to build the team. Doesn't, by the way, it doesn't matter if you're a two-person, four-person, eight-person next step, right? This is a, this, you're still going to have to get yourself into a position of playing this role of key person of influence. So you're not getting, you, one thing I want you to know is you're not getting yourself to eight people and then becoming a key person of influence. You're doing this from the beginning, right? As, as soon as possible, you're playing the role of key person of influence. So if that sounds exciting, if you're ready to play that role, if you want to play that role, and you want to follow proven steps that make it uh, work really, really quick, you put this into the chat, and what we'll do is we'll send you a link and you can book into the diary. My team are going to talk you through the strategy, how we can help you, how we can support you, um, and we can go from there. It's free to have a chat with the team. doesn't cost anything to talk to the team. But if you choose to work with us over the next 12 months, depending on the size of your business, it'll be somewhere like £4,000 to £8,000 depending on your size of business, uh, as our fee to work with you for 12 months. Um, so if you're interested in that, uh, now, mind you, we can't, we literally physically can't work with everyone who wants to work with us. Um, we tend to be able to work with about 100 to 150 people per time zone per year. Um, and we have something like 15,000 people attend events with us each year. Um, so we, you know, for us, we are in a position of, picking and choosing people where it's the right time for us to help and support you. And if it's not the right time to help and support you, we're going to send you a ton of free resources and get you reading a book and listening to podcasts and doing all that stuff that's free. And then we'll bring you back when you're ready to work with us. Or if there's some health reason why now's not a good time, we'll bring you back next year. We're going to be around. We've been around for 12 years. We're going to be around for another 12 years. Right. So we'll work with you at the exact right time where it's the right time to work with you. Um, okay, here's what we're going to do. Let's take a eight-minute break. Um, I'm going to put on our DJ, bring our DJ back, and what we're going to do is have a little eight-minute refreshment break, and then I'll see you back here, and we'll get started in about eight to ten minutes. See you soon. people are joining us and rejoining coming on back uh, let's have time for one or two questions who's got a question they'd like to ask if you want to put your hand up uh, feel free to put your hand up um, and we'll do a few questions and uh, we can go from there let's see if there's any questions put the digital hand up and that will bring us bring us there <laughs> he thought the DJ was live
Uh, I, I think I missed the first part of the session. Uh, I had a question around e-commerce businesses and where do they feature? Do they feature in uh, in lifestyle businesses at all or not? Uh, yeah, so here's the problem with e-commerce businesses. Um, an e-commerce business is traditionally one click away from every other similar competitor um, under the sun, right? So if you sell pink kettles, you can click and find any other pink kettle that's online within a few minutes. If you're on Amazon, there's so many you know competitors and they're right next to you. Amazon's suggesting them. If you're on eBay, eBay's suggesting the exact competitors. Um, if you're on Etsy, Etsy's suggesting the exact competitors. Now, what you're going to find is that there are key people of influence who use their personal brand to tell you that e-commerce and dropshipping is an amazing thing to do, and they they personally are using the key person of influence strategy with their personal brand to sell something that is not e-commerce, right? Mm. Um, mm. Get you to get get you to buy into the idea. They're sharing an mm. idea. They're getting that idea to spread. All of those sorts of things. Um, mm. It's extremely rare that I find someone who just buys and sells stuff online and makes tons of money for real. It's very, very, very rare and I go looking all the time. What does work is when you create something that is a unique set of products and you put your name and your face to them, right? So, you know, when you get someone who's out there talking about their unique set of products. So, for example, um, my friend Dan, he has this uh, subscription company called Heights. Um, it's uh, vitamins. And he's created his own special brand, and he also represents his brand really, really well. And he's built a personal brand. Now they have something like five thousand subscribers who pay thirty nine a month, um, so super successful uh, business. But he's going through and using the key person of influence strategy. Um, so keep that in mind. Uh, let's have uh, and Julie. Let's hear from you. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. Oh, it's a great session. Um, I've just got. I know that you've been sharing a lot of information about how AI and, and chat GPT, et cetera, can be really, really helpful for entrepreneurs. And I was just wondering, at the early stages, I was just wondering how you see, see AI and tools such as chat GPT um, as helping us uh, develop our proposition as a KPI? Fabulous question. And uh, ChatGPT is excellent at helping with this whole process, and we've incorporated it into the entire process when we work with people over the next 12 months. Um, so what you'll find is that we use it to brainstorm propositions. We use it for, once we've got a proposition, we get it to do a first draft of what that proposition looks like on a page. Uh, we use ChatGPT to come up with 100 mini frustrations that your customers experience. Um, and to group them into, to, when you document all your customers' frustrations, we use uh, AI to group those into dominant frustrations um, and to create customer avatars off of those. Um, we use ChatGPT to create book blurbs um, when you're going through the process of creating your book. So I want you to think of ChatGPT as an assistant. It's a free assistant to make you more efficient. Um, imagine a CEO who has an amazing executive assistant the executive assistant is not running the company. They're not the new CEO. They are the assistant to the CEO. So imagine yourself as the CEO with ChatGPT as an assistant. What's really cool is that because it's a free piece of 
uh, software or because it's nearly free, it's $20 a month if you want to subscribe and maybe get your team subscribed. Um, uh, you're talking about something where every single member of your team now has an amazing assistant as well. So in December, we trained our entire team on how to use ChatGBT to augment their role. Um, and it was suddenly as, as if our entire team had um, a, an assistant with them uh, as well. So we've got some of our team are in the Philippines. They're using it to draft emails and do customer service inquiries. They're using it to uh, support and, and uh, assist um, uh, our clients, right? So all of those sorts of things. ChatGPT is an essential tool going forward. Um, in the next three years, you're going to have businesses that use AI and businesses that go out of business, right? It's as simple as that. If you're not using AI, you're going to be at, a, at such a disadvantage. Um, it, it's, it's no different to not using uh, social media or not using um, a CRM system. I would actually say it's beyond that, right? This technology is so powerful that if you leave it too long, you really are going to be um, at a massive disadvantage. And the good news is it's not hard to use. If you, if you have ever spoken to another human being, uh, you can talk to AI. Um, if you've ever been in a text conversation with somebody, you can be in a text conversation with AI and, um, and, and do that as well. Let's have one last question, Gaia. Hi, thank you for the great session. Uh, my question is the following. I'm really busy functionally with this startup and I have the big vision for the KPI and the other products and the other companies. So how do I switch to more vital roles? So the key is to be in an environment where that become normal. Um, so I have a belief that environment dictates performance and environment dictates performance um, means that um, you get into an environment where um, it's um, it's normal to be moving into that key person of influence role, right? So if you think about uh, you want to run a, let's say you wanted to run a marathon or you wanted to play better tennis or you wanted to learn how to dance. If you join a dance class, a dance group, right, where everyone else is learning to dance and you've got dance instructors and all of those sorts of things are part of the environment, then it's going to become very normal and easy um, if you try and read blogs about it and watch videos about it, you're, you're not gonna, you, you know, you're not gonna um, get the same level of um, uh, oomph. So it's the environment that gives you the oomph. Um, the environment dictates performance. The key is to be around other people who are operating this way. Um, 90 percent of all businesses do not operate this way. Ninety percent of all businesses, they are um, purely and simply functional. The CEO or the leader is functional. Um, they just do functional things, so it becomes normal to think that way. And then a small group of people are doing things the right way, where the CEO and the founder is a key person of influence, and they're, they're taking off, they're doing really well, and you need to be around people where that's just a normal thing to do. Uh, okay, it looks like we're all back here. Let's get into our next session. The next session is really good for making a lot more money as a business, um, and that is the product ecosystem. So the product ecosystem is, um, okay, here we go. So product ecosystem, uh, we want to make sure that you have lots of products and services to sell because if you're going to be a key person of influence with the core team, you must have the product ecosystem as the way of paying for everything. That's the key thing. 
So selling time for money is not aligned to your customer's wants. Your customer does not want you to sell time for money. If you went to your customer and said, would you like to buy my time or would you like to buy a magic pill? And if you eat the pill, then you get the result. Customers want the magic pill, right? They don't want uh, to buy your time. If you go to your accountant and your accountant says, today we just want to play Scrabble, uh, you're not going to be very happy to pay £300 for a Scrabble session. You're looking for a particular outcome in mind. And it's the same with your customers as well. So you've got to stop thinking in terms of, of time and service and start thinking in products and outcomes. So key people of influence are product focused and they're like the ecosystem focused. So product and services, products and services don't make profit. Product and service ecosystems make profit. And that's one of the key distinctions. You could copy my individual products and plenty of people try to, but it's very hard to copy my whole ecosystem. And very few people have succeeded in that. It's the product ecosystem that does the work, not the product itself. So for example, what we need to do is create something called an ascending transaction model. And it's going to have four products and services in there. It's going to have a gift that you can give away for free, a product for prospects, which is how people are going to engage with you, a core offering, and then a product for clients. So core offering is the bulk of what you do. The product for clients is the ongoing subscription or the uh, after uh, logical next step. The gift is the free thing you can give away. The product for prospects is the easy or cheap first step um, to get going with. So let's have a look at some gifts. So a gift could be something as simple as online masterclass. So this is an example um, on our, uh, I did this masterclass with Chris Doe. Uh, it's had 78,000 views on, on YouTube. We've actually got it on our Dent website as well. And this is an example where for free, without having to opt in or without having to spend, uh, without having to share your email or your um, any of that, you can actually go onto YouTube and do a free branding masterclass and it's it's an hour it covers tons of information that's a great example we can use that on our website we can use that in our marketing it's a free gift it's a way that a lot of people are going to discover my work so if you go to youtube you'll find a personal branding masterclass a personal branding masterclass um, uh, this one with ali abdal has now had um 300 views i think it is so these are examples of gifts so the first thing I want you to do is think about having a free masterclass online. So the masterclass is called how to achieve blank, how to achieve blank, right? And that's going to be your masterclass. So how to achieve blank with Paul is going to take you through a masterclass on how to achieve blank. Um, and that's, that's what we're going to use as a gift. <clears throat> so my question for you in the chat is what will you run your masterclass on? Right, I want you to put into the chat how to achieve and then put fill in the blank. Right, That's going to be your masterclass. It's going to be your 45 minute or your one hour video that you're going to have on, online. And it's going to be your masterclass on how to achieve blank. Let's see. Um, how to achieve happier hybrid employees. Hmm.
a book, I believe that the when you read, the book that changes your life is one that you write. There's plenty of you who read books. There are people who have got no money in business whatsoever and they read 100 business books. Um, there are people who read 100, uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of books per year or 100 books a year and it hasn't changed their life. I, I'm very, very rare. It's rare for me to meet an author who's written a book where it hasn't massively improved their business and their life, right? So writing a book is much more powerful than reading a book on so many levels. But the question is, how do you use a book to build your business? And the answer to that question is that you must get good at giving away a thousand copies per year. So a thousand copies a year is about 20 copies a week. You have to get good at giving away 20 copies a week. You might sponsor an event. Tomorrow I'm sponsoring an event of 500 people. I'm giving everyone a copy of my book. That is 500 books in one day. Um, so realistically, if you sponsored two 500 person events with your books, uh, per year, you would have given away a thousand copies of your book for the year. Um, if you make a list of every person you wish you could have a cup of coffee with and you send them a, cup, a copy of your book, um, that is going to be super powerful. So giving away a thousand copies of your book per year is one of the most awesome steps for, um, uh, for building your business. Uh, a great example would be uh, Investable Entrepreneur by James Church. He's given away about 6,000 of those, and it's massively grown the business. I think they've grown by about four, uh, 400% in the last 18 months. Gabriella has grown from a half a million a year business to a four and a half million a year business. So that's a nine-fold increase, and she gives away 4,000 books per year. In year one, she gave away 1,000 books. Year two, 2,000 books. This is her standing on top of 4,000 books. Um, and she's grown her fertility clinic uh, from a local fertility clinic to a global fertility clinic um, and 9x her revenue. So big believer that you should be giving away books. Um, how do you write a book? We have a book writing plan that we work with our clients on where we actually do it to a formula. If, you, if ever you've read any of my books, all of my books follow the same formula. I start by looking at where people are now, where they want to be, and then I introduce them to the concept. I disrupt their current thinking. I share insights. Then I share a methodology. I handle objections. I give a call to action and I finish on a high. And I literally follow that formula and it spits out a book that is about 35, 40,000 words. Um, and provided I hit all of those bases, I'm going to end up with uh, a book that makes people feel pretty excited that they would like to do something with us. Rethink Press is our publishing company. And Rethink Press is the one that um, uh, that really focuses on how to give a, a thousand books per, away per year. They're the only publisher I know of that encourages the author to get a thousand free copies and just give them away. Um, every other publisher wants to try and earn money off the back of their authors by giving copies away uh, at full price or nearly full price. Um, now, by the way, if you want to talk about um, writing your book and what your book would be about, as I said before, book one of those one-to-one -one sessions. That's something we can talk about during a one-to-one. -one. Um, so just in the chat, put one-to-one, -one, uh, and we'll send you the link so you can book a one-to-one. -one. Just put one-to-one, -one, uh, and we'll send you the link, and you can talk to us about um, about that prospect. Okay, the next product that we want is a product for prospects. Product for prospects is a way for people to engage with you. Now, product for prospects. The difference with a product for prospects is that people. Are going
going to enter their email address in order to access the product prospects. You're going to collect names and email addresses. So I'll give you some examples. Once again, a video example might be this one, four-part four part video series with Glenn on how to overcome the biggest mistakes that you can make in business right now. That would be a great product for prospects. This is one we did for Score App, the 30-minute lead formula, um, which is a five-step formula for generating more leads. Um, that is a good product for prospects, where people are entering all their details to get that product for prospects. Uh, startup Workshop um, is a great example. Grow your startup, attract investors, make the world a better place. 90-minute web class, people have to register. So it's a, uh, a good way to do that. Now, you can do this as a video-based thing, or you can do it as a live event. But I want you to think about an introduction workshop, right? So whereas the masterclass is just people can watch it on YouTube or they can just watch it on your website. This is an introduction workshop that people are going to book into and you're going to take them through a bit of a process. So I want you to, in the chat, write an introduction to blank. What would be your intro workshop? It might be a little bit different to your masterclass, but what would be your intro workshop that you would do if you had to have your, um, if you had to have your uh, intro workshop as part of your product for prospects? Introduction to self-management, introduction to nailing your first impression, introduction to, uh, oh, they're coming in thick and fast now, <laughs> product development, uh, vocal freedom, managing digital assets, um, building your business, uh, becoming more resourceful. Right, so these are all examples of introduction workshops. Now, Either way, I'm going to tell you, every business, every single business that I've built from zero to a million of revenue in year one, right, and I've done it seven times, seven times I've done zero to a million in year one, I'll tell you one of my secrets. My secret is that every single week, and I mean literally every single week of year one, we do an introduction workshop. We literally do like a Tuesday afternoon workshop or a Wednesday afternoon workshop, and every single week we get... Initially, we get 10 people on it, then we get 20 people on it, then we get 25 on it, then we get 30 on it, right? And we build it up and we, we basically run the introduction workshop every week. And when I say every week, I mean probably 45 weeks of the year. There's Chris, we don't do it on Christmas Day and we don't do it on New Year's Day, but most weeks of the year, I'm doing an introduction workshop. If I'm launching a business and I'm going to go and get my first seven figures of revenue, I want to be running an introduction workshop once a week for 45 weeks of the year. Um, off the back of that, if I can generate four sales at five grand, that's 20 grand. Now I've got my first million of revenue um, if I repeat it every week. Um, if I get two sales of 10 grand off the back of that, now I've got my 20 grand a week of revenue. I'm on the million dollar run, a uh, million pound run rate. Um, so uh, is the intro workshop free? Yes, it's normally for free and it's normally on Zoom now. I used to do these in physical locations. I used to actually run a weekly introduction workshop at a co-working space um, or a weekly uh, introduction workshop. I actually used to run one at a restaurant that had a private dining area um, and they were very quiet on a Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday evening. So we got it at a great discount and it was a really nice space and we used to run introduction workshops there. Um, so introduction workshops, um, you get very, very good at understanding what your customers respond to if you're regularly running introduction workshops for them. Uh, okay, 
let's have a look at, so product for prospects. I want to give you one more example of product for prospects, and that is a scorecard. So probably the biggest game changer that I've ever experienced in business is when we started running multiple scorecard campaigns. Scorecards bring in 24-7, 365 days a, a year. Uh, statistically, they are 65% better at getting a um, conversion than any other form of marketing because you've got so much data attached. Um, so whenever you want to get a high converting lead, get people to fill in a quiz or a scorecard first so that you know a lot about them. So how does it work? People go to the landing page and they say, yep, I'm going to take my scorecard. They fill in their details. They answer a series of yes or no questions. Could be 10 to 50 questions. And then they get a report that tells them a bit about themselves and what they need to do to improve. Um, this is a super, super, super powerful way to do this. So I want you to think about having readiness scorecard. Are you ready to blank? Are you ready to have a high-performing team? Are you ready to run a marathon? Are you ready to start dating? Um, are you ready to um, have a better relationship? Are you ready to uh, increase your levels of energy and health? Right. So whatever you want to do to have a are you ready to scorecard, super, super powerful. So in the chat, let me know, what would you do as an are you ready to scorecard? Um, are you ready to build a high-performing hybrid team? Take the scorecard. Hey, look, someone's got a real one there. Very good. Uh, just realized, uh, are you ready to automate your business? Take the scorecard. Are you ready to level up your health? Take the scorecard. Are you ready to save money on your taxes? Take the scorecard. Are you ready to boost your confidence? If you're an introvert, take the scorecard. Are you ready to break the burnout cycle? Take the scorecard. Are you ready to speak your truth and be heard? Take the scorecard. Um, are you ready for your next hire? Are you ready to hire a high performer? Are you ready to open your own restaurant? Are you ready to boost your mindset? Um, so these are all things that we, we want to um, get on your website as a scorecard. Uh, I went to lunch with someone this week and she said to me, um, she said, I cannot believe how much money we left on the table by not having a scorecard. Ever since we put a scorecard on the website, eight to nine people a day, every single day, like clockwork, fill in our online scorecard, and one of them will buy from uh, one of them will buy from it, um, which is a five to fifteen thousand pound sale. Business has exploded off the back of the scorecard, um, just simply giving people that thing to do and that bit of triage. It's super easy. Score app has made templates available, and we've now got AI tools launching this uh, month. Um, so let's give you a nice little link here. Get yourself a um, free copy of the book. Get yourself a Score App um, account. Let me actually let me give you this one. Put that in the chat. At the end of this session, get yourself a free Score App um, uh, 30 day trial and read the book Scorecard Marketing. And you're going to get yourself a really, really great product for prospects. So here we've got gifts and product for prospects. We talked about books, workshops, scorecards, and masterclasses. Here's the interesting thing. Most of you do not have enough demand and supply tension in your business, uh, and that is the biggest problem. A lot of you have got a really good core product or service, but you don't have the demand and supply tension. The purpose of the gifts and the product for prospects is to create the demand and supply tension. If you've got 10 people a week, 20 people a week engaging with your gifts and
your product or projects, you're going to build the demand and supply tension. It's going to push the profitability up of your core product or service. So I don't have time to go through the whole strategy around core products and product to clients today, but I really, off the back of this workshop, I want you to up your game when it comes to gifts and product to prospects, because essentially that is the demand side of your business. That is the side of your business that drives demand and supply tension. Um, uh, so as I said to you, key people of influence, they act as the Eiffel Tower and they put the products and services around them uh, in order to um, in order to make the money. So questions. Uh, let's have three questions before we move on. I love uh, I get leads every single day from Score App without ads. Um, best tool available. Fantastic. Uh, link doesn't work. Okay. Uh, someone on my team will send. Uh, sorry, that was last year. The reason it doesn't work that was last year's special offer link. Um, I'll get I'll get you a, um, uh, a a link that works. One second, let me get it for you. Silly, silly me. Having too much of a lifestyle business to get my links right. <laughs> Here we go, one second, copy. Uh, here we go, this link will give you a really nice, good free 30 day trial and you'll also get the book. Um, there we go, so there's the link. Um, okay, let's hear some questions. Quintel, you had one from before. Let's get you to come off mute. While Quintel's doing that, let me know in the chat, if you would like to become a key person of influence this year and work with us, just put the letters KPI so we can set up a one-to-one -one meeting with you um, and discuss your personal brand and how you're going to build your personal brand, how you're going to build up these product ecosystems. There's only a few things you need to get right, but you've got to get those things right. You've got to get the pitch, the published content. We want to get your book planned out right. We want to get your scorecard planned out right. So if we can get all of that done, if we can project manage you over the next 12 months, to put all of this in place, you're going to get a massive breakthrough in your business. So if you're ready for that breakthrough, if you're ready to go and become that key person of influence, grow your team, grow your revenues, get more profitable, live and work from anywhere, fun, freedom and flexibility. If you're ready for that, put the letters KPI into the um, into the chat. Just so you know, the commitment to work with us is going to be about two to three hours every two weeks. Every two weeks, we're going to jump on a workshop with you. We're going to workshop, uh, take you through a process. So it's not a, um, it's not uh, without a commitment. There's a commitment involved, um, and the, uh, the typical price that you'll pay to work with us is between about four and eight thousand pounds, depending on the size of your business, for the whole of the year. Much cheaper than a MBA, much cheaper than a consultant or a coach, uh, um, much cheaper than uh, trying to figure it out on your own. Um, and some of you are totally loaded, you've got loads of money um, and you have limited time and you just want to throw money at it. Make sure you tell our team that you're loaded and you want to throw money at the problem uh, instead of your time, if that's you. I know not everyone's in that position, but some of you are. We have an amazing kind of done for you solution. If you're the type of person who says, I just want to like get someone else to help me with my book and I want to get someone else to build my scorecard for me, and we, all we have to do is talk to you about some of the key things that you've already got in place and we can translate that into other assets 
Um, so that for a small number of you that uh, want us the money is a problem, we can help you to do that sensibly. But obviously you're in the minority. Most people want to put uh, more time into this uh, than, than money. Um, so mostly we're set up for the majority of people who uh, are not yet loaded. But if you are loaded, uh, we can supercharge this uh, and get our team to just do a bunch of this for you. Um, if you want to throw money at the problem, you just got to let us know. We're not mind readers and we're not bank account readers, so you need to let us know that you want to throw money at this as opposed to time at this. Um, uh, okay, so any questions? Couldn't tell. Um, can you hear me now? I can. Do you have an example of a KPI for like a food and beverage? Like I own a, a plant-based health cafe. I want to be a KPI for you know living a healthy lifestyle for a plant-based diet, and like I understand the the model of um, Richard Branson, but I was trying to think of a model of somebody that does for food and beverage. Yeah, so there's, there, we have uh, quite a lot of people who are in that category, um, and uh, um, what we can do is we can when you um, when you have your session, we'll have some examples that we can send to you of our actual clients, but. There, there, there are plenty of food and beverage people who have um, become key people of influence and built a food and beverage business. Um, now, it may not be the exact type of business that you would build, right? But there's different types of businesses that relate to food and beverage. Um, we've got people, everyone from health and nutrition people, uh, you know, right through to people who have actually built delivery services, um, where they actually send food to people's houses uh, on delivery, do meal prep at scale. Um, we've got people who have built products that get sold through major distribution points um, uh, as well. So yeah, we, what we'll do is we'll give you a list of our, our past examples and clients who, who have uh, built food and beverage businesses. With that said, let me say this. Uh, food and beverage businesses are particularly hard businesses to build, right? So keep that in mind. The people I know who, um, who build food and beverage businesses, they are really damn good at what they do and they typically raise money um, and they um, often build performance businesses. Uh, food and beverage normally has narrow margins. You need high volumes typically um, if you do it in that kind of uh, normal way. Um, and uh, it's very, very easy to have big things go wrong with food and beverage businesses. So especially food, right? Because food goes off, it spoils. So you can have $100,000 worth of food go bad because a truck uh, or a set of trucks uh, got stopped, stopped on the side of the road. So, um, so keep that in mind. If you're trying to build a lifestyle business, you may want to build it alongside an existing performance business that's doing something that you admire and you become a key face of their business and you partner with them. Um, you, you really do, if you're a lifestyle business, you want to avoid being involved, involved in something like manufacturing. As a, as a general rule. Make, make sense? Yep. Uh, but there are other ways to do it. Um, okay. Uh, who else has got any questions? Uh, okay, you can do, you, do the hand up reaction or, uh, um, okay. You have four people who raised their hands. 